Have you ever experienced something so crippling in your life that has made you feel broken? I have. Are you someone who has a giving heart but is struggling to feel good themselves? Are you consistently putting your needs aside to take care of everyone else? If so, you're not alone. Giving starts with giving to yourself so that you are able to give of yourself to other people. Isn't it time you took back control and discovered what makes you tick? Join me in my journey and find out how you can feel better about yourself, live your best life, and share that with others. Thinking of yourself, it doesn't make you selfish. It makes you brave. I'm Nelia, and this is the Giving Starts With You podcast. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Giving Starts With You podcast. I'm Nelia Hutt, and I just want to say thank you for for joining us again and, and trusting in this community um, to be a, a soft place for everyone to listen to and to learn from. And uh, just remember that you need to give yourself a gift every day so that you can you can help yourself move forward and heal the things that that are troubling you. It's so important that we do that. So today we have um, a very special new friend of mine, David Stone from Florida. How are you, David? Just great, thank you. I was out earlier. Uh, I go for a run every morning and it's, um, well, here it's about 85 degrees. Where you are, that would be probably, uh, what, low 30s perhaps? So <laughs> beautiful. It's minus one here today. <laughs> Well, they're getting snow at Mount, Lu- Mount St. Louis and Moonstone. Oh, are they, they really? Here. That's only up the road. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I don't like it. I don't like the winter, but uh, yeah. So David is a life coach. He's an author, a speaker, and a reformed warrior. I'm excited about today's topic because as all the listeners know, um, I do um, have some similarities with with, you know, anxiety and and all the things that go along with it, self-doubt, imposter syndrome, which is what, you know, we're also going to be talking about, and also with uh, worry. So I'm excited to to speak with you today, David. I'd love to share this message because you're right, I am a reformed worrier and uh, I I got fed up with it. And I finally said, that's it. This is not serving me. This is not making the life that I want. I want to stop. I wasn't interested in pills. Uh, I wasn't interested in a lobotomy or anything like that. <laughs> and so I set out to learn everything I could because, of course, it all takes place in my head. It's all in my mind. There's nothing wrong with my thumb. Uh, it's all in my head. So I wanted. I became a student of my brain and my mind and how it works. And I spent, uh, well... I've spent the last dozen years studying everything I could, but it took me about five years to finally figure it out. And I decided that I could stop and I did. And now I can safely say that I do not worry about anything ever. I don't have anxiety. I don't, um, I wake up every morning feeling fantastic, looking forward to the day and whatever. And yeah, stuff still happens. Of course, stuff happens to all of us. But I spend zero time worrying about it or uh, thinking, oh, no, this is going to defeat me. Um, I fall asleep every night and sleep like a baby. It's wonderful. That's fantastic. 
Oh, it really is. It really is. And short of genuine mental illness, which I fully recognize and for which I'm so grateful that there are medications and therapies that are important. But short of that, I absolutely believe that anybody is fully capable of saying, I'd like to stop worrying. Okay, great. Let me show you how. And you can do that. And you can completely and utterly eliminate worry and anxiety and uh, self-doubt and imposter syndrome and all those wonderful things that make us feel so good. You can eliminate them from your life completely if you'd like to. That's what my work is all about. And so I, uh, it was kind of fun because I, uh, I'm now uh, officially retirement age, but I have no intention whatsoever <laughs> to retire. I'm far too many things that need to be done, but I was, um, I spent uh, 30 years as a marketing consultant. And as I was getting to approaching 65, I, I'm 66 now. But as I was getting closer, I thought, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm kind of tired of it. But I don't want to stop. I, you know, There's too many things to do. What do I want to be when I grow up? And so I was asking myself that question. And the way entrepreneurs, I have been self-employed my entire life. And the way entrepreneurs think is they say, they, they like to say, let's find a hole and then let's fill it. And so I asked myself, what does the world need? And the answer, and then I prayed a lot and I meditated about that. And the answer that came to me is what the world needs is to stop being so damn afraid of everything. Mm. <laughs> because, and I'm working on a new book right now. It's coming out. These are all the final edits coming out next month. It's called the fearless. Oh, there we go. The fearless decision how to live in the world without being afraid of it. Anyway, uh, my first book, which came out last year, is this one called Unsubscribe from Anxiety. Anyway, so I asked myself, what does the world need? The world needs to be stopped being so afraid of everything, stop being so fearful, stop being so worried and anxious about everything. And so I said, I'm going to share that. So I started I Fearless. Uh, that's our, my website, i-fearless.com. And I've started a Facebook group called the Fearless Living and Growth Society. And basically the mission is teach people how to stop worrying and start living because life's too darn short to spend it worrying. And how I got there, uh, how I got to this place is I was uh, a worrier. And, and I, as I said, I never was um, crippled by it. And I know that there are many people who are. Um, and for I never suffered from uh, any mental illnesses, but I spent too long a worrying. And I spent my life, you know, okay, as soon as this happens, as soon as, you know, as soon as that happens, then things will start. And as soon, soon as I get this promotion, or as soon as I land that client, then everything will be fine. And, and of course, it never is, because then there's always the <laughs> next thing that I'm worried about, and the next thing, and the next thing that you're worrying about. And so you spend your life waiting, waiting for your life to begin and worrying about what if it doesn't. And I was 55 uh, before I finally realized, hey, this isn't stop. And what got me to is I literally worried myself into homelessness. And what was uh, ironic about that is I simultaneously living in my car the month, August of 2009, I spent living in my car. 
And, uh, but simultaneously, I'm still this marketing consultant hopping on airplanes, traveling around seeing clients. Then I get back and sleep in my car again. It was, and maybe I'll make a movie about it at some point. It, it was kind of bizarre. But basically what it was, it ended up being one of the best things that ever happened to me because I think uh, the universe or God or whatever you want to call it uh, kind of nudges you along the way and says, hey, this is an important thing. You need to pay attention to this. But we ignore the nudges. We tend to, oh, no, no, I'm too busy. Or we don't hear them or whatever it is. And eventually, uh, the universe says, all right, that's it. You're not paying attention. It smacks you upside the head with a two by four. And for some people, it's a heart attack. And some people, it's a divorce. And some people, it's uh, you know a serious illness or the death of a loved one or whatever. For me, it was homelessness. And you say, okay, okay, I'm paying attention. <laughs> and what, what happened was really interesting. I, I remember very clearly waking up one morning and my leg wrapped around the gear shift and I'm thinking, okay, this, there's something wrong here. And of course, the first thing you want to do is look around for whose fault it is. Who can I blame mm. for this? It, can't, it certainly can't be my fault. It must be the government, must be the economy, must be... Uh, the teachers that didn't prepare me well must be the weather. That's what it is. <laughs> and, uh, and the more I looked around, the more I realized that in all the incidents that had led up to this, there was one common denominator, and that was me. <laughs> I was the only one present and participating in all the decisions and actions that resulted in this. And I thought, or inaction. Oh. Mm-hmm. Or inaction. Yeah, exactly. I thought, uh oh. <laughs> Hmm. Is it, could it possibly be? And, and of course it is. It's, you know, it's all me. And so at that point, and one of the biggest things, and, and I would say the biggest life-changing thing that I learned was I have to take 100% responsibility for every single thing in my life. And, because, and it's for a very good reason, because if I am blaming somebody else, okay, it's not my fault, it's Nellie's fault. You're the one, you're the problem. But until you decide that you're going to change for my benefit, then I'm stuck. Mm-hmm. I have no control whatsoever. And you may or may not decide. You might feel sorry for me and say, okay, I'll, I'll stop doing whatever you want me to stop doing. But probably you won't. Uh, or it'll and, be short-lived. Or it'll be short-lived, exactly. So I've got to take 100% responsibility. And as soon as you start to do that, you start thinking, whoa, okay, I'm empowered. I get to make some decisions here. I get to be the one that decides. And sure, stuff, nasty stuff is going to happen. But when I own that stuff and I say, that's okay. So COVID has happened. Great. <laughs> um, what are you going to do? Well, I can sit here and whine and complain, or I can say, let me adapt. Let me decide how to work under these circumstances. Yes, because, sorry to interrupt you, but time time passes anyway. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Exactly. And, uh, I mean, I remember uh, one of the things that happens is people say, well, I'm too old to start that, or I'm too young, or I'm not smart enough, I'm too short, I'm too tall, whatever it is. It doesn't matter, but there's some situation that is the reason I can't do that. Um, uh, my wife uh, is a person, she's, she's uh, always been a writer. Uh, we knew each other way when we were teenagers, actually. And uh, she would always be writing and poetry and novels and stuff. 
but some well-meaning person told her that, oh, you can't make a living as a, as a writer. Mm. So she went into journalism as well in, instead. And she had a very, very successful career as a journalist. And, uh, but there was always that it, you know? And so um, at 57, she went back and, to, and got her Master of Fine Arts in Creative Writing and said, that's it, I'm gonna do it. Good for her. And, uh, you know, and I've heard people say, well, do you know how old I'll be when I, you know, when I finish that? And, yeah, exactly the same age as you would be <laughs> if you didn't go back to school. You know? But you'd be a whole lot happier and a whole lot smarter. So, so I just decided that I am going to stop this worrying thing. And I started studying. But I studied it in a very scientific, objective kind of way. I, and, I, and I write about this in the book, and I talk about it in my workshops. I say, okay, let's be scientists. We'll put on our lab coats. We'll, we've got this blob of anxiety sitting on the laboratory bench in front of us, and we're going to take it apart. We're going to dissect it and analyze it and learn what it is. And there's a number of really important things that we start learning about it. And the very first thing that we learn about it is that anxiety and worry is a mental choice that we make. It is not pre-programmed, <clears throat> excuse me, into our brains. It is not something we're born with. Now, a lot of people say, well, no, worry is just a fact of life. Sorry, it's not. Now, fear, let's, let's distinguish between fear and worry. Fear is a really, really useful biological response to a real and present danger. So you're walking along the sidewalk, you turn to cross the street, you step out in the street, you look, and there's a bus coming at you. Fear kicks in and your body has a physical response. Adrenaline starts pumping, uh, cortisol starts pumping, your heart rate goes up, your breathing increases because it's priming your body to take action in this emergency situation. So you jump back off onto the sidewalk, the bus goes by and everything's fine. And your heart rate goes back down and your breathing goes back down and the cortisol and adrenaline dissipate and everything's back to normal. When you are in a worried situation though, because worry and anxiety are responses to perceived threats that are much more vague or off in the distance somewhere. So I'm worried about my retirement savings, or I'm worried about my relationship. Uh, you know, my boyfriend uh, didn't text me last night. And now my head starts spinning out of control with all the, you know, now I'm making stuff up mm. and now I'm, now I'm worried. And, but what's interesting is that your body can't tell the difference between uh, a real fear, a real danger and an imaginary one. Absolutely. So it's going to respond in exactly the same way. So when we're born, we are pre-programmed with two and only two fears. One is the fear of falling and the other is the fear of loud noises. Every single other thing that we find ourselves being afraid of or worried about is something we've learned or been conditioned to. And so that says, okay, I, it's a mental choice I'm making. I'm seeing this situation. I'm choosing to worry about it. Now, everybody said, I talk to people about that and say, no, you're crazy. Stone, you got it. You're nuts. It's, it's, I, yeah, I can't help it. Well, the reason that we can't seem to help it is we have made this choice so often 
and everybody around us is making this choice and where it's reinforced in us and we're told that it's normal, that it has become a habit. And as with any habit, it is simply something that we do without even thinking about it. You know, it's, you, it's, it's no different than you walk into the house at the end of the day, you toss your car keys in the bowl by the door. It becomes a part of you, absolutely. It is, you, with no thinking whatsoever. And good habits are great because what it does is it prevents you from having to solve that problem over and over and over again. I don't have to think about where my car keys are. I know they're in the bowl, even though I can't remember actually putting them there. Negative habits, though, are also subconscious. We don't even think about them, but they're destructive to us. And worry and anxiety, there's four major problems with them. Number one, it feels awful. You know, it's one of those, just one of the worst emotions we experience as humans. Number two, it never solves a problem. No one has, the situation has never gotten better because we worried about it. Exactly. Problem solving is a very different activity than worrying. Problem solving is really helpful and it's constructive and it's progressive. Worrying just goes around and around in circles. And in fact, thing, it gets bigger as you worry more about yes, it. Yes, it does. That's a very good point. It does. It grows. It becomes this vortex that mm-hmm. it builds on itself. The third problem is it literally makes us sick because our body, when we're in that code red st- uh, state for too long, our body starts to have some real serious problems. And the list of health problems from chronic worrying anxiety is really, really long. But the fourth problem with worrying is, and the one that bothers me the most, is it stifles and limits our potential as human beings because we stop ourselves from trying something before we even begin. You know, you take a tiny little thing, you know, oh, I can't sing karaoke. I don't have a good singing voice. No, I, 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 I won't do that. Okay, that's it. You're done. Mm-hmm. You'll never try out for a choir. You'll never, you know, want to be in a rock band. You'll never do anything because you have told yourself you know, this self-limiting belief. Oh, no. what would other people say? I'm worried what their opinions of me might be. Well, there you go. You're done. And if it comes to, you know, that's a tiny little thing. But if it's something like, I'd really like to be a doctor. Oh, no. You know, mm. What would my mother say? You know, my dad wants me to be an engineer. Uh, you know, what would, and all these things that we worry about stop us from going ahead. So anyway, that's the first thing that we learn in our scientific study is that it is, it's not necessary. It's just a mental choice. The second thing we learn is that it's been a choice for so long that it has become a habit. And we then think that this is normal. The third thing we, the problem we discover is that it is, we're constantly being reinforced and encouraged to worry by the world all around us. Uh, again, this, this, I mentioned earlier about this woman in my workshop with the, who couldn't, she said, well, uh, she said, my mother's a worrier, my, fa- my parents are worriers, my sisters worry, my aunt, everybody around me worries. It's just part of my genetic makeup. Mm-hmm. No, it's part of your mental makeup, but it's not part of your genetic makeup. And you can choose to have a different response in that. But, uh, you know, uh, 24-7 news streaming, you turn it on and what do you get? Here's what you need to know right now. <laughs> What do I need to know right now? There's a typhoon in the Philippines. Why do I need to know that 
right now. I don't need to know that probably at all, and certainly not right now. And yet it's presented to me in a way that gets me, oh, and they do that because it sells, you know, it gets eyeballs glued to the screen and that sells advertising. So I would rather think for myself than have somebody else tell me how I'm going to think. So basically, in this sort of objective scientific study of worry and anxiety, we, what we conclude, and again, short of genuine mental illness, but for run-of-the-mill folks, I don't need to. I can decide that I'd rather not worry. Now, what I have to do is replace the habit, because like any habit, you can change a habit. You, can, you don't have to maintain the habit. But what you do have to do is replace it with a new habit because habits are, they, they love to stick around. Somebody said, you know, a habit is like a comfortable bed, easy to get into and hard to get out of. Yes. Um, and so what I have to decide is, okay, I am going to replace this habit. And the process that you go through in order to replace the habit is number one, decide that you're going to take 100% responsibility. No more blaming, no more complaining that, oh, well, if I could stop worrying, if my mother didn't constantly be phoning me and, uh, <laughs> and telling me about this, I could stop worrying if my boss wasn't such a jerk, I could stop worrying if, but well, okay, as long as they're in charge, then you're right, you can't. That's why we take 100% responsibility. The next thing we do is we take inventory. And that, and you and I were talking earlier about journaling mm -hmm. and rich people and to, all right, let me go through my, my head. What are the things that I worry about? Now I might worry about money. You might worry about health and you might, you might not worry about money or I might not worry about health, whatever it is. What are the, your own, you know, your favorite go-to worry topics and where did they start? Mm -hmm. Because you weren't born with them. Where did they begin? And that I, is, is an exploration. And it can, be, it can be tricky. It can be painful. But that's why the writing, and especially writing by hand, is so important. Because what it does is it takes it out of you, objectifies it, puts it down on a piece of paper. It has taken it out of you and put it outside of you. And now you're in control of it. It is no longer controlling you. You're controlling it. And you now get to decide, what do I want to do with this? Do I want to get rid of it completely? Do I like it? Some people claim that they enjoy worrying. It makes me, uh, it make, it, it, you know, I get sympathy because I worry, or I, um, mm. it makes me feel, uh, makes me feel important, makes me feel like I'm uh, doing important things. Uh, it's how I show people I love them. Okay, well, if you, you want it, that's great. God bless you. Keep going. But if you decide that I don't want to do this anymore, it's not serving me, well, then, we got to do the real work. And the real work is getting down to the point where you figure out where this started. Like one of mine, and it was interesting how it showed up and it manifested as homelessness because I, I've spent my entire life worrying about money. I grew up in a family that was probably not technically poor, but the ratio of kids to income earners was kind of high. And, um, so I remember, you know, as a kid, I grew up with my mom and dad sitting around once a month, sitting around the kitchen table going, oh, no, how are we going to pay this bill? And what are we going to do? And, you know, I sort of learned that uh, and one of my beliefs became that 
uh, the only people who can be wealthy or rich are either lucky or crooked. Mm. (laughs) That's the only way to, to wealth. And so everybody else has to struggle with it. And that was one of my beliefs. And so, you know, that manifested ultimately. And the interest, stupid thing was I was making great money. I was making a ton of money, but the self-limiting belief meant that I didn't manage it well. I kind of, I got rid of it as fast or faster than I got it and ultimately landed me there. And it wasn't until I tackled that and said, where did that come from? What's the origins of that? Write it down. And you say, oh, is that where that came from? And now you can start letting it go. Mm-hmm. You can decide, I don't need that any longer. It doesn't serve me. And then, having gone through that process, then there is a, um, there's a guided visualization that I take people through. And again, it's all written out in the book, but... Uh, what we do from for anybody that is a worrier or filled with anxiety it shows up in your body as a physical manifestation and it always shows up as tension somewhere excuse me for me it was always my neck and my shoulders that's where it would tighten up some people it's in their jaw or their temple they get headaches some people it's in their stomach and they get stomach aches all the time wherever it is doesn't matter and what we do is we start we close our eyes and we picture this tension inside, but we picture it as an object. For me, it was like this iron bar that went from shoulder tip to shoulder tip. Mm. And I could visualize it inside me. Well, now what I'm going to do is I'm going to use my imagination and I'm going to start taking control of that thing. So the first thing I do is I shrink it down. So instead of being this long, shoulder to shoulder, now it's only this long. And then I stretch it right out so it touches both walls in the room that I'm in. And now I shrink it down. Instead of being a bar, I'm going to make it into a ball shape. And I'm going to make it big. And then I'm going to make it small. Now I'll make it this way and that way. And then what color is it? Well, it's sort of dark gray. Well, let's make it bright yellow. And I'm doing all this with my imagination. Mm -hmm. And then I start moving it around in my body. So instead of my neck and shoulders, I'm going to put it down in my left leg. And then I put it out in my right arm. And of course, what you're doing is you're taking control of it instead of it taking control of you. And I move it around. And then ultimately what I do is I put it out into my hand and like a baseball and I kind of toss it up and down a few times, set it down on the floor beside me. And then I start visualizing it and I watch it kind of turn to uh, like to vaporize a little bit. Now it's kind of dusty and now it's kind of misty and fog. And then I just take a deep breath and I blow it away and I watch it kind of Mm. drift off into the distance and that's this sort of guided visualization and then when people come back from that I say okay now think about this thing you were worrying about before think about money or think about your health or whatever how do you feel and they say wow where'd it go you know it's gone and that's how we get rid of it but of course it's a habit habit wants to come back unless you replace it with a different habit so there's a series of three really really important habits major mental habits that we want to replace it with number one is gratitude because when i am worried about something i am not being grateful for all the wonderful things that are in my life so we start a mental daily hourly mental habit of gratitude and so you wake up first thing in the morning before you even move let alone get out of bed quick five things that 
grateful for right here, right now. And it's not the same thing that I'm grateful for being alive. I'm, right. grateful for, yeah, I'm grateful for food. No, no, right now, what are you grateful for? I'm grateful for that sunbeam that's coming in my window and hitting the wall over there. I'm grateful for this pillow. Oh man, it was so comfortable all night. <laughs> Those, I'm grateful, God, I'm gonna be talking to Nelia today and I'm really looking forward to it. It's really specific things, different things every day. Mm -hmm. And what that starts to do is develop a habit because it is impossible to simultaneously hold a, habit, a thought of gratitude and worry at the same time. Absolutely. You cannot do it. As try as you might, you can't do it. And so the more you become, get into this habit of gratitude, the less the worry comes in there. And so start first thing in the morning. And then as you go through the day, you remind yourself and say, like right now, I, I'm grateful for Steve Jobs because here we are talking <laughs> and you're, you know, you're almost 2,000 miles away. And yet, wow, this is so cool that you and I can have this conversation. Exactly. And so I, you know, I instead I could be, oh, I hope the internet uh, connection holds. I hope, you know. <laughs> That would be the other way I could go. But no, I choose to be grateful. So that's the first mental habit. The second mental habit is that we replace worry and anxiety with purpose. And I loved hearing your story, you telling me about the things you're doing right now and how you've, you've got, looks, you know, it sounds like you've got several missions and purposes right now. You've got, you know, to help people not feel lonely. You help with, uh, with homeless people. You're helping with food. You're helping with uh, music. I mean, so many things to do. And people who are worried and anxious tend not to have a strong purpose in their life. What do you what What do you do? Well, I get up in the morning. I go to work. I do, you know I hate my job, but I need it because I have to pay the rent or the mortgage or whatever. And then I come home, eat my supper, and then I turn on the boob tube to distract myself uh, so that I can stop you know thinking about all the things that I hate about my life. And then I go to bed and then I repeat it again. Um, Every single person that's ever been born on the face of this planet was put here for a purpose, for a reason. And I love, there's a great, and I, I forget who said it, and I got to look it up. But anyway, a great quote that I heard, and it said that the two most important days of your life, the first one is the day you were born, and the second one is the day you figure out why. Mm. And once you figured out why, wow, you got work to do. Yes, <laughs> you you're behind the game. You need to. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's right. And you've got to get up and you've got to. All of a know, sudden, there's not enough time. <laughs> that's right. And not only is there not enough time, there's no room for worry. Yes. Because I'm busy. I've got things to do. And, you know, it's great to think about the people that have had um, earth-shaking, world-changing purposes in their life. I mentioned Steve Jobs a minute ago, but the, the Mother Teresa's of the world, the Nelson Mandela's of the world, the Greta Thunberg's of the world. You know, they, wow, these people, they got big, big ideas, and that's wonderful. But yours doesn't have to be that huge. Nobody's has to be that huge. One of the most wonderful examples that I, I like to use is um, my wife had, had an aunt. She passed away a couple of years ago at the age of 99. And she, uh, she lived in this uh, elder care home and she had this wonderful purpose. She would knit, you know, the little um, caps and booties for the preemie babies in the hospitals. Mm, beautiful. She would knit those. She'd turn them out by the dozens and just give them to the hospitals. 
And to look at the sparkle in her eye when she would talk about that, mm. it was just the most wonderful thing. Here's this lady who's, you know, her late 90s. No, I got stuff I have to do. And it wasn't earth changing. It wasn't, you know, massive uh, disruptive technology or anything. No, it was just a little knit cat, but boy, oh boy, made her feel amazing. The nurses would send her thank you cards and the little babies probably yes. appreciated them too. It's the more you give, the better you feel about your that's, life and about who you that's are. Exactly and, right. mm -hmm. that's, that's exactly right. And you don't have to have this massive earth changing thing, but you do need to know why. What is your why? What are you here to do? And, you know, I would love it. You know, you said you've got a day job, you've got a full, you work full time. And yet there's this thing that you live to do. And here it is, here it is, we're on a Sunday. Right? For <laughs> anybody who's listening to it, it's Sunday, you know, at noon. And yet Nellie has got this thing that she has to do. And frankly, so does David. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I have to share this. So that's, Impact, so that's the second you got to, like, yeah, it's all about helping people and, and creating impact. Yeah. That's, you got to exactly make time right. for the things that are important. Do you know what, though, Nellie, I think I would disagree with that because it is wonderful when it's giving back, but maybe your purpose, maybe somebody has a purpose that's gardening. Mm -hmm. I live to get my fingers in the soil and watch Healing. flowers. Healing, yes. Up. Yeah, you know, that, that's perfectly fine. Absolutely. What, what, gets, what gives you goosebumps? What, where do you find yourself in the zone where time just disappears? Mm -hmm. that's, that's your purpose. Keeps right you there. grounded, yes. It does. And like I said about um, uh, gratitude, when your mind is filled with this mission, this purpose, this why, you have no room whatsoever for worry. Because as you said, you're too busy. You've got stuff to do. Now, the third uh, mental habit that we use to replace worry and anxiety is what I call instant action. Now, Fear, we talked about fear earlier, it's that sort of biological response to, oh my gosh, the tiger's gonna eat me, I better do something. And your body gets primed to take action, and then it does. Well, when you're worrying, you need also, in, to convert it from a worry to a problem that needs to be solved, the way you do that is by taking action. So it might be two o'clock in the morning and you're lying awake. Uh, again, and your mind's just going around and around and around. And now you're worrying about worrying, right? <laughs> I'm worried too much. I should be able to stop this. Ah, and now you're worrying about worrying about worrying. <laughs> and it's just nuts. So instead of trying to go back to sleep, get up. Mm -hmm. Because you will not be able to go back to sleep. And now you're worried about, I can't go back to sleep. And insomnia, and I'm going to get sick. And I, I have to go to work tomorrow, and I won't, I'll be tired. Get up. Get out of the bedroom, go outside to your living room, to you know, your desk, the kitchen table, whatever, and find something that you can do right now in the next five minutes that's going to help address this problem that you're worried about. So let's say um, I'm worried about money, okay? I'm worried about my budget. I won't have enough money. All right, two o'clock in the morning, get up, sit down, and make a budget for the next 30 days. All right, here's what I know I've got, here's my costs, et cetera. I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to write this down. I'm going to write a budget. Or maybe I could go online and I could um, sign up, uh, go watch a YouTube thing. I watch a YouTube program about how to manage my money better. Great, there you've taken action. 
if it's a health thing, if you're worried about your health, uh, you know, I, I've been feeling really uh, fatigued lately and I know I'm carrying 20 pounds now that I shouldn't carry, whatever it is, great, get up, go online and, uh, you know, if you've got the money, order yourself a Peloton machine. <laughs> It'll get <laughs> delivered to, within two days and you can start working on that. Or if you can't, that's all right, go on YouTube again and find an exercise thing or enroll in a, in a fitness class. So whatever many options, yes. So many options, but take action right now, instant action. Because what will happen is once again, you have decided to take control. So instead of it controlling you, you're controlling it. Then before you go back to bed, make a list of five things that I can do in the next 24 hours that are also going to work at solving this problem because again you've shifted out of worry mode and into problem solving mm. mode they're very different and i feel empowered when i'm problem solving i feel i'm making progress here and once you've done that and it maybe it took you 15 minutes maybe it took you 20 minutes whatever now you can go back to bed because you will fall asleep in 30 seconds and you'll sleep like a baby mm. because you have taken that worry out of your head you put it down on there you took charge of it and away you go. And then tomorrow, a couple other things you can do. Number one, quit, give up your membership to the quit, to the worry club and to the complaining club. You know, we know, you know them, the mm -hmm. people, you know, you walk into the room, you say, what a beautiful day. Yeah, but it's probably going to rain this afternoon. Yes. <laughs> or what about that government? You know? <laughs> These are toxic people and they just drain the energy right out of you. I have no room in my life for that kind of toxic person. Sorry, my mental state, my happiness is far too important to put up with that. And sometimes they're family, mm -hmm. uh, but I'm sorry. Or turn around um, and educate them so that they can change their beliefs as well. Yeah, yeah. If, if they want to, I'll give it a little try. Correct. Mm -hmm. But they'll make it, they'll let it in the head with it. <laughs> They don't want to know that's God bless them. That's fine. Uh, but I, I will absolutely do that. I'm also going to um, watch, uh, I'm going to cut down on my news. You know, my, the, uh, how do, do I watch constantly watching the news? Am I constantly checking my phone? What, you know, have I got, uh, you know, whatever CNN or uh, CBC on, uh, you know, right there on my most watched uh, apps <laughs> or whatever. You don't need that. You don't need to know right now. Um, <clears throat> the U.S. election is going on right now, and I'm interested in that. And so for the last couple of weeks, I've been watching the news. But prior to that, uh, probably eight months before, mm -hmm. since I actually looked Same at me. Mm -hmm. the, the news or whatever. And once the election's over, I'm, I'll let it go again. I'm just, I just find it curious right now. But what happens is our you feel your emotions, you feel your blood pressure start to go up when you read the, the news. So I'll leave that alone. I'm also going to be very careful about the kind of entertainment that I choose. So I, I'm going to choose entertainment that will lift me up and make me feel great. I tell you, I am a sucker for anything by Pixar. You know, you know, a rom-com, bring, bring it on. You know, I'll be bawling my eyes out. I love it. But don't, don't ask me to watch something that makes me feel scared or makes me feel uh, depressed or, may, I, I, sorry, not interested. 
I am far too protective of the thoughts that go on in my life. We you know, we're, we're so yeah. careful. We're so careful about the food that we put in our bodies. Oh, I don't want to eat that. You know, it's, uh, it's, I, I, I only eat non-GMO food. I only eat organic food. Well, what do you take into your brain? <laughs> what are yes. the, the toxic thoughts that you take into your brain? No, sorry. I'm far more careful about what I allow into my brain and my mind than I am about what I allow into my mouth. And that's how you just take this whole worry thing and say, I don't, it doesn't serve me. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't help make me live a better life. So <laughs> let it go. That's how you let it go. That's phenomenal. Thank you so much. And I'm so glad that you, um, you explain the fact that yes, this isn't for people who, um, you know, suffer severely with, with certain things in mental health. Absolutely. Because from that side. It's interesting in my book, that is the very first thing in the book that says. Yes, no. And I'm glad that you said that because some of the things can be a little bit different, but I think that you know, your coping mechanisms are fantastic. And I love that you've given us like tangible, you know, items and things that we can do today. Mm-hmm. And we were talking yeah. earlier about how it is our responsibility. And a lot of people don't get that. They think, well, if this person cared enough or knew about how much I was suffering and, you know, why mm-hmm. don't they do anything for me? And and that's not the way it works. We can't feel sorry yeah. for ourselves. We do need to you know, right. learn, that's, that's, let's that, learn. That's that spiral thing again. Uh, to go back to the, mm. um, the, the mental illness side of it, uh, absolutely, it is critical to understand that there is genuine mental illness, rather, you know, whether it's a congenital uh, condition or whether it's something that's been acquired, whatever it is. And for that, I am so grateful for mm. the prescription drugs that are available, the medical professionals that are available to help, et cetera. I do think though, that there are too many people who are quick to say, yes. oh, I've, I've, I've got this. Uh, really interesting that, you know, there's the, um, the, the standard book of psychological disorders, I forget the exact title of it, but it's the one that all the psychologists use to diagnose and say this. Generalized anxiety disorder did not appear in that book until 1980. And it was introduced into the book and that's fine. And then it just sort of sat there and didn't do anything. But in 2001, diagnosis for general anxiety disorder exploded. Suddenly Mm -hmm. it was being diagnosed all over the place. And very coincidentally, Mm -hmm. that that was the same year that GlaxoSmithKline got approved to market Paxil Mm. as as, uh, one of the anti-anxiety drugs. So now all of a sudden, ask your doctor if you, you know, if this is right for you, that's, that's my problem. Quick, give me the pill. Mm -hmm. And so now we, we give ourselves these labels. And again, for some people, it's entirely appropriate. Mm -hmm or the vast majority of people, it's just too convenient. Yes, and we group ourselves into the wrong group. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Completely. I want to go back just for a moment so that we understand how this started for you. Like, Mm -hmm. I I know that you explained a little bit about, um, you know, you worried yourself into homelessness, but how, when did that start? Like, when did the worry start for you? 
Oh, as a kid. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, money was one of them, but I always had a poor self-image. And it's funny because when I look back uh, at photographs of myself, I always thought of myself as a fat kid. I always had this self-image of a fat kid. But when I look at photographs of myself, I think, no, you weren't. Right. <laughs> you weren't. And, uh, but I had this image of myself and that the imposter syndrome piece was there. And, uh, I think, uh, you know, it, it was growing up. Like, for example, I mentioned, you know, the, uh, uh, the family finances when yes. I was a kid. My mother, uh, there were five kids. So there were seven in our family all, all together. My dad uh, was a, it was interesting. He had to, his father died when he was 16 in the middle of the Great Depression. So he had to quit, quit high school and go to work to support because he had a mother and two sisters and he had to go to work to support them. So when I first met my dad, uh, who was an amazing guy, but he was a repairman for the telephone company. And uh, I remember very clearly in 1968, which I know is going way, way back, but his annual salary was $6,500 to support seven people. Mm. And, uh, you know, even in those days, that was not very no. much at all. <laughs> no. And, uh, and so my mother, God bless her, she would sew our clothes. And what an enormous amount of work and what a tremendous talent. But I always felt very self-conscious because all the other kids at school would be wearing, you know, mm. fancy store-bought clothes and you could tell the difference. And it wasn't until I was, you know, many years as an adult that I learned to appreciate what my mother did in that situation. We grew our own vegetables. We had a vegetable garden. We had chickens. And I always thought, oh, that only poor people had that kind of stuff. These days, everybody says, wow, you grow your own food. Yes. And it's all organic and fresh out of the garden. And wow, we it's want that. It's fashionable now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But when I was a kid, all it meant was how poor we are, how unworthy you are, how... All, all these things and, and imposter syndrome. And when I found myself in a situation, you know, for many years, I, I, I grew up and I started, I went to school and then, uh, and then I'm, I'm this marketing consultant and I find myself, I'm standing on stages in New York City talking to 500 people at a conference and things. And in my head, it would be going, who the hell do you think you are to be here doing this? You don't deserve to be here. And that self-esteem thing would just, suck me down mm -hmm. and i i was constantly feeling i was faking it uh the imposter syndrome thing and so and then it just built and built and i would say okay well as soon as i get this new house then i'll feel better about myself as soon as i get the swimming pool put in then i'll feel better about mm -hmm. myself and I, I i came to refer to it as uh, substitute happiness all right afterwards i realized that's what i was doing you know if i have this really nice car then i'll be happy uh, and of course, you get the really nice car and you think, hmm, why isn't this working? And of course, we all know why it doesn't work is because that's not where happiness comes from. Exactly. And, and, you know, you're so totally empty inside, you need to find something to fill it. And so I would substitute a house, a car, a pool, a, you know, travel, whatever it was. Um, and so that's, that's, how it, mm. that's how it built up. But I think it all came from this upbringing. And, you know, this is my one big life lesson to learn is uh, that, that sense of worthiness 
and esteem for myself, regardless of what my circumstances are, regardless of what my um, background mm -hmm. is, regardless of anything. This is, you know, I'm an entirely worthwhile person. I'm an entirely mm. worthy person. I am worthy of happiness. And sometimes uh, we uh, hear, you know, the conversations go on around our homes too, that either are directed to us or we think that are directed to us that have negative connotations and we tend to believe other people's opinions, right? right. So I think That's that creates exactly right. a lot of that um, when it starts, when the worry starts and and the, um, the the issues with self-image and self-confidence. I think sometimes, you know, we are told things that that are not true, but we believe and then we put ourselves down. And then, you know, it, it also yeah. starts yeah. from that because, yeah, I think we're really hard on ourselves and we believe what other people tell we us. We absolutely are. But the mistake that we make is... Um, feeling that that's who I am and that's who I have to remain yes. and that our past somehow dictates our future. It is if you choose for it to, but there's a great, uh, you might be familiar with Wayne Dyer, the late great Wayne Dyer, who was a, um, a motivational speaker and spiritual teacher. And he wrote, he wrote a great book, uh, well, a bunch of them, but one of them, the title is when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. change. Mm, I've heard of that. And, and so that's great. But one of the things he talks about is the, the metaphor of a boat. Now, when you're riding along in a boat on a lake, you can look behind you and see the wake of the boat and you can see where the boat has been. But the wake behind the boat does not dictate where the boat is going to go. And far too often we use these things. Well, I had a poor upbringing as a child. I grew up poor. Therefore, it's really hard for me. And then I hang on to that and I, I use that as a crutch or as an excuse to say, well, this, that's why I have all these problems. Mm. So therefore it's okay. Well, yeah, that might be what led to this, th these thoughts that you have, but if they don't feel good and if they're not serving you currently, all they are is thoughts. You can, you can stop. You can have a different yes. thought. You can think a different thought. And that takes training because they are mental habits. It, you have to train yourself to think differently. That's why I liked what you, when you were saying about the inventory, you do need to find out where it's coming from so that you yeah. can debunk yeah. the myth, you know, that's what they teach also in the CBT. So, um, uh, cognitive mm -hmm. behavioral therapy and it's yes, like what yes. you're worrying about. Okay. Let's break it down. You know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if you're worried about money, for example, okay. So what if you lose your job, you mm -hmm, know, how mm -hmm. much percent of that? Um, or, and you think, so your fear is, uh, let's say you're going to lose your job. So you're going to become homeless. So right, you break right. it down, you know, and okay. So what if you do lose your job? What are the chances that you're going to become homeless? Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. break that down. And, you know, in reality, you will find another job, you yeah, know, yeah. simple was, things. Interesting. Yeah. That was my worst fear and it came true. And the great thing about it was, whoa, I live to tell about it. That wasn't so bad, <laughs> yeah. you know, it wasn't this great, you know, this sort of ruin and then death. Yes. And <laughs> no coming back. The end of the spiral that we all, you know, that we all imagine ourselves in. And, uh, and it happened and okay. What's the worst that well, can happen? Well, okay. I'll be prepared that's, that's for that, exactly. but you know. Yeah. 
But the other thing, that one of the problems of this uh, and, you know, the CBT and some of these other things, and one of the things that I, when I work with people, is say, yes, you have to find out where it came from, but don't stop there. Yes. Because far too often, ah, now I know where it came from. Now I've legitimized this now what? mental thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, now I'm justified. See, anybody that had that kind of an upbringing is justified in having you know, in worrying or being anxious or whatever, or being dysfunctional in whatever way. No. Yeah. Okay. I found out that is now, what are you going to do about it? Let's stop having that thought. If the thought serves you, and this is, this is a, a phrase that I use with myself and with other people very, very often. Does it serve you? Is it taking you where you want to go? If it is, God bless you. Keep doing it. If it's not, make the decision that I'm going to do something else. I'm going to think a different thought. It's life-changing. Yeah. Oh, I can't think a different thought. I can't control the thoughts in my head. Yes, you actually can. Yes, it takes work. You have to practice at it, just like any other skill. You decide, you know, if I, your son's a pianist, I've had a lifelong dream to learn how to play the piano. The only thing that's keeping me from it is I'm busy doing other things. And I, I can plunk out Mary had a little lamb, but nobody's going to invite me to Carnegie Hall anytime soon. Um, but if I decided that is the most important thing, sure, I could sit down and it would sound awful at first, but mm. I keep practicing often enough. I and love eventually it. I'll, and, it's, and it's the same with your thoughts. If you don't like the thoughts that you're thinking, change them. At first, it's going to be tricky and you'll get frustrated and you'll say, this is hard. Yeah, sure it is. So is playing the piano. So is running a marathon. But if you decide that's important, you can do it. And if the worry and the anxiety feel bad enough and are getting in your way enough and you're tired enough of them, I'll show you how to stop. Thank you. Where can we find you? Because um, that's phenomenal. Ah. People want to reach out to you. Well, thank you. Uh, the best place and the easiest place, and we've started this just a couple of months ago, is a Facebook group that I run, and it's called Fearless Living and Growth Society. Love it. And its mission is stop worrying, start living. <laughs> and uh, it's growing fast, and anybody can join it. It's ob- absolutely free Facebook group, uh, so you can find me there and connect. Uh, we also have a website uh, called i hyphen fearless.com i-fearless.com and we've got programs on there we've got a blog on there with all kinds of this stuff about how to do it you can get the books uh the unsubscribed from anxiety is uh, available on amazon walks you through this whole thing in yes i'm going to put all the links in and i'll include your bio so people can learn more about you that would be wonderful they can also uh, email me directly if they want. I love people who will get in touch with me directly. David at i-fearless.com. Just send me an email and say, hey, I'd really love to talk to you about how do I stop worrying? Because I did it. Yes. And my life changed completely. And oh, man, it's so much better. <laughs> it really is. Oh. I mean, imagine. Here, here's a scenario. Imagine this. Imagine that your fairy godmother Poof, she showed up. You didn't invite her. She just showed up. She's got her wand, and you're not asking for anything, but poof, she zaps her wand at you, and suddenly you are completely and utterly incapable of being afraid or fearful of anything at all, ever. 
Now, she didn't make you rich. She didn't make you beautiful or handsome more than you already are. She didn't make you, you know, didn't give you 170 IQ. She didn't even guarantee that the stuff you're going to try will always work out. All she did was remove your ability to be afraid of mm. anything. What would you do? What would you do next? Anything and everything. Anything. Yeah. Well, if I then say, well, you know, the bad news is there is no fairy godmother. The good news is you don't need one because you have the wand in your own and hand. And you don't need anyone hand. else's permission to no. do it. No, you don't. You don't. And you don't need anyone else's um, power. You've got it all right there already. It's kind of like the end. Remember the end of The Wizard of Oz when the good witch <laughs> yes. said, you've, you've had the, just click your heels. You've had the power all along. Yes. You just had to learn it. No, and I appreciate, I appreciate that. And yeah, phenomenal. Well, thank you. <laughs> and I'm so grateful that you invited me to be on your, on your uh, podcast. I, Cause I, I, you might tell I get excited. No, about this that's okay. Of, and you know, it, it's, uh, it's fantastic because having the worry and having the anxiety can really, um, it robs you from the life that's possible. It really and does. It, it, it really does. <laughs> It prevents you from doing so many things because you're afraid because of you change the way you do things you change the way you think yeah. you limit yourself yeah. in so many ways and then you teach people around you to do the same so yeah. you know it's very very important to um so i hope that people will take some of the actionable steps that you've laid out for us today i love that you you, you gave some examples and it really it makes us understand it you know quite easily so yeah, I'm so glad to have met you and uh, can't read to, can't wait to read a little bit yeah. about, you know, everything okay. that you're doing and be a part of your group. Yeah. Wonderful. I would that'd be terrific. I love welcome it. Welcome you and any of your listeners, who, you know, because let's, uh, let's all stop worrying. Oh, it, there's nothing to... good about it, is there? It really isn't. No, no, not, not one. I cannot there's think. Nothing, and there's nothing necessary about it either. Right. It is not life. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. And it, it doesn't, there's not one positive thing about it. Not one. So why, why okay, stick around? Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just go. They told, they told me I should. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, they did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It was so nice. All right. So nice to meet you. And uh, I love what you're doing. And Thank yeah, you. you know, I love when people um, take things that they have struggled with and and teach others once they've come on the other side. And and just, mm -hmm. you know, just seeing you on the screen, I know our listeners can't hear it, but you look so relaxed and worry free. And that's fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> I feel it. I feel it. And there isn't a drug in sight. <laughs> <laughs> Thank oh, you. It. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe or leave a review. See you next week on the Giving Starts With You podcast.